Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That was really good. Um, I'm going to just resonate with something that Janice said about uh, feeding the kids to keep them happy. The same is true of your pastor. Um, and obviously you knew that because last week we got this whole basket of gift cards to restaurants. So thank you, thank you, thank you for, uh, for those gifts. Uh, very, very generous. We really appreciate it. And uh, Amy and I are very grateful to, to be here and be a part of, of this community of faith. The second is this, and uh, I think this is really important, and that is anytime it's raining and you are a part of a Methodist church, you get extra credit for being here. <laughs> and I, I just simply just make a note in your Bible so that when you go to heaven and maybe there may be a question about whether or not you need to get in, just mention that the pastor gave you extra credit on these particular Sundays and it might put you over the top uh, for getting into heaven. I'm just kidding, Beverly. Beverly's looking at me like, can't believe this guy. All right, from Romans chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words, O God. For all that I misspeak, corrected in our hearing. For all that I fail to speak, O God, may you add it in our spirits. Give us your word today, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It was a dark and foggy night. And a battleship that was a part of the fleet was trying to make it into the harbor to pick up supplies and to get needed maintenance. As they were on the edge of the harbor, the alarms, proximity alarms on the bridge began to go off. And so they begin to search the horizon. Who is it that, that we're going to run into? And they see this light. And so immediately the captain authorizes a signal to the light, and it goes like this. Um, uh, Please, sir, you need to alter your course 10 degrees south. Well, immediately the response came, uh, no, you need to alter your course 10 degrees north. Well, um, uh, my uncle was a retired admiral, and, and I can tell you that those of rank in any of the armed forces don't like to be told what to do. And so the, the captain was not happy, and so he said, send this message. I am Captain uh, Termel, and you will alter your course 10 degrees south. The response immediately came back. I am... Seaman Third Class Jones, and you need to alter your course 10 degrees north. Now he's furious. 
I am a battleship. Alter your course. <laughs> and the response came, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> Alter your course. Life is like that. The question is, do we know who we are and do we have all the information to make decisions? Do we know who we are and do we have all the information to make decisions? Um, in times in life, we need to remember who we are in order to make the right course correction. Um, if we don't know who we are, we can get off course in a hurry. Change of course corrections are a part of life. They're just a part of who we are as human beings. They're a part of the human condition. The question is, do we know which voices to follow? Do we know which voices to follow? The letter of Paul that we call Romans is where this passage that I read for you comes from. Romans is probably one of the most technical and in some places difficult passage, uh, books in the New Testament to understand and to completely kind of unpack, okay? But that passage there in chapter 5, to me, is the watershed of the Christian faith. While we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were weak at the right time, encapsulated in that is the gospel. He shares with us the gospel of Jesus Christ in one sentence. And so I've, what I'd like to do is kind of unpack that for a moment and not only talk about our faith and our salvation, but as I said, in terms of these sermons, a, a place to start what are those foundational scriptures for us as Christians, but also for us as a church? At the right time, at the right time, um, I mean, I'm sorry, it starts out with, for while we were still weak, Romans 5, 6. That, that's basically, um, while we were still weak, admitting who we are. In terms of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to admit who we are to take on the, the, the reality that we are incomplete, that we are broken, that we are human beings, and that we need a Savior. We are uh, imperfect, and we are without the necessary resources while we were still weak. Now, the other part of this, this part of the passage that's important for us to understand is that notice that it says that while we were weak, it doesn't say when we deserved it. It doesn't say when we had finished all of our assignments. It doesn't say when we were perfect. It doesn't say when we had followed all the laws. It says while well, we were weak. While well, we were weak. Well, we were incomplete. Christianity is the only religion that is not based on a moral and ethical imperative. Every other religion is based on following a set of laws, 
following a moral and ethical imperative, being a, a certain kind of person, uh, deserving and earning one's salvation in place with God. Christianity is not that way. Christianity starts with the saving act of Jesus Christ on the cross. While we were still weak, or in another place, while we were still sinners, it's not that we deserve it. We don't deserve it. We are saved. We are given this gift because God loves us and because of the mercy of God. God acts first on our account. Now, I do want to give a little aside here that <clears throat> it doesn't mean that, uh, as Paul says later on in Romans, that we should sin all the more so that grace may abound. No. Um, what Paul is trying to outline for us in Romans is that, yes, God takes the initiative with us. We don't deserve what we are given. But when we receive it by faith, our life changes. Our desires change. The way we look at life changes. The way we make our decisions change. The way we, the voices that we listen to change. And our behavior changes. We become more and more like Jesus. Or as John Wesley would call it, sanctification. Sanctification is that, that growing in the faith once we have come to know Jesus and have accepted Him as our Lord and Savior. While we were weak. Then he goes on to say, at the right time. And, okay, while we were weak, I thought it was when we were weak that Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time. Well, part of what, what we get confused by this is that the word translated at the right time is the Greek word kairos. And kairos is one of two words in the Greek language to describe time. One is chronos, which is measured time. I have a chronos on my wrist here. It measures time. It's 1131, in case any of you are looking at your watches. Um, kairos is God's time. It is time that uh, cannot be measured. It is... Uh, it is eternal. It is God's time. And so, when we were weak at the right time, at the right God's time, in other words, for each one of us, there is a time, a place, and a circumstance where God acts on our behalf. Another way to translate kairos is um, that kairos is because of who God is. At the right time, at the right because of who God is, that's when Jesus died for us. And it says, then Christ died for the ungodly. The word translated ungodly is a word that in, uh, indicates Separation from God through attitudes, actions, beliefs. Now, we sometimes think of uh, ungodly as, you know, despicable acts. Now, ungodly, in this sense, 
when we translate it and get down to the Greek word, is not necessarily a despicable act. It is anything that separates us from God. Anything that separates us from God. As I, as I was thinking about this as I was working on this sermon, you know, there are some very noble things that separate us from God. For example, sometimes I get so immersed in the work that I do in the church. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm serving, I'm trying to, to contact people, and I'm trying to, to, to visit folks, I'm trying to, to help the church, you know, move forward. That I forget my own spiritual life. That's not of God. And I have to confess that. That I, I need to take care of my own spiritual health. My relationship with Jesus Christ or my work as a pastor can be compromised. Christ died for the ungodly. In Ephesians 2.8, Paul said it this way, For by grace you've been saved through faith that is not any of your own doing, but a gift from God. For by grace you've been saved through faith it is not any of your own doing, but a gift from God. So what does this mean for us? It means for us that faith is to embrace God's way in this world. And ultimately... Ultimately, this life with God is a process that is never ended. We never completely achieve it or accomplish it. Now, John Wesley in his works talks about moving on to perfection. And uh, uh, supposedly when John Wesley was on his deathbed, they asked him, did you make it? Did you make it? You know, did you make perfection? <laughs> and you know what he said? Not yet. Because we're always moving on. It is a process. Sometimes two steps forward, one step back. A process of, of living and working, praying and worshiping. And I think this is, you know, to some extent, this whole nature of what it means to grow in our faith is an indictment on the church today. And I, and I know COVID kind of cut a hole in the church. Because people got used to staying home and watching, you know, uh, worship on, on, online and, and that kind of thing. But that may give us information. But the church, growing in our faith, developing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, is participating in a community where we hold each other accountable and we love and support each other and the Christ, the incarnation of Jesus Christ becomes a part of who we are when we gather in this place. And you can't get that by yourself. It is the community. It is the community. Um, I, I, I did a little math, by the way. And if, if you go to church every Sunday for a year, okay? 
And let's say that you're in a small group every week for a year. And let's say that you have at least three or four uh, uh, days a week that you get up and pray and read the Scripture for 15 to 20 minutes. Do you know how much of your life that incorporates? 2%. Less than 10% of Christians have that kind of commitment in terms of participating in their faith. Do you know how, and this is according to Google, so you've got to kind of have take it for whatever it is. According to Google, we spend 20% of our time watching television. Ten times more than the more, most faithful follower of Jesus Christ in our churches. Wow, that's hard to grow. Hard to grow. Hard to grow. Life is full of choices and challenges. What will we choose? What voice will we follow? What voice will we listen to? In the Gospel of John, it seems as if the Gospel comes to an end in chapter 20. If, we, if you read chapter 20 and you get to the end of chapter 20, it's, it's like, okay, this is the end. And then there's this chapter 21. And, it's, and there are a lot of opinions about chapter 21, uh, whether it was a later add-on by John or maybe one of John's disciples who had listened to John tell the story of the resurrection story that's there in chapter 21. Um, but for whatever, the story is there. It is John's third resurrection uh, story that, that he tells us. And the, the story is very interesting because it is after the disciples have experienced the resurrected Jesus. It's after Thomas has put his hand in the nail prints and in the side of Jesus. It's after they have been assured of the resurrection of Jesus. And what 21 tells us is that with all of this going on in Jerusalem and the resurrection of Jesus and, 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 and the knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus spreading, the disciples pick themselves up and they go back to Galilee and go fishing. What? I mean, they go fishing? I mean, shouldn't there be work to be done? I mean, I mean it, Jesus is, has been raised from the dead. Jesus has defeated death. He has done what he said he was going to do. I mean, it, the time has come to get out of, and to tell the story. And yet, they go back to Galilee and go fishing. Now, there's a lot of opinions about maybe why. Maybe they thought that they weren't worthy of the work that was left to be done. Maybe they thought that, okay, Jesus is raised from the dead, but that's it, you know. Or maybe they felt guilty because they had scattered when Jesus was arrested, and particularly Peter had denied him. Or maybe... They were just confused about what the next steps were. And so they went back to what they knew. We kind of do that sometimes, don't we? 
You know, we go back to what's comfortable even if it's not helpful. And so they go fishing. And the, the fishing, you know, you throw out the nets, you pull the nets, you clean them out, you throw out the nets, pull them in, clean them out, repeat. Sometimes my life feels like that. Cast, pull, repeat. Cast, pull, repeat. Over and over again. It's early morning and a voice from shore shouts, have you caught anything? No. <laughs> they were tired. They were exhausted. Cast your nets on the other side. Now, we don't know if, if Peter and John and Andrew remembered the first time they had heard those words when they had been called by Jesus, when Jesus was on the shore and they'd been fishing all night and he said, cast your nets on the other side and the, the catch was overwhelming. Or whether they were just so tired that any suggestion would work, but they cast their nets on the other side and the nets were full to overflowing. And now they do remember It must be the Lord. It is Peter who is first in the water to wade to shore. It is Peter who is first to be at Jesus' side. And, and once again, we don't know whether Peter is feeling guilty about his, about his denial of Jesus on the night that he was arrested. And he, he, he's not had the chance to really make peace with Jesus and reconcile with Jesus. We, we don't know the whole story here, but we do know that it is Peter who runs to Jesus. And as Jesus is fixing breakfast for his disciples, he says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. Yes, Lord, you, you, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And again, he says, Peter, do you love me? And now, Peter, yes, Lord, you know all things. Feed my lambs. A third time, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And we don't know whether he was talking about his brothers that he was fishing or the fish are the act of fishing. Do you love me more? Whatever it was, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than anything else? Yes, Lord. You know all things. Then feed my sheep. Do you hear what's happening? Three times, Peter denied Jesus. And Jesus now gives him three times to affirm him. And it is Peter who preaches the first sermon at Pentecost. It is Peter who is the first great leader, he and James, in the Jerusalem church. It is Peter after which the, uh, the church and vicar are named as the leader of the church. And here's what I see in this story and how it relates to Romans. God is never going to give up on us. God is never going to give up on us. 
And I, I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I know all of us at one time or another face challenges. But God's not going to give up on you. The Christ of all creation is always going to be there if we but open our ears to hear the voice that calls us. And I don't know what God has in store for this church. My sense is that the best years are ahead of us. My sense is, is that the, all of the pieces are here. The question is, what voice shall we hear as we look to our future? And, and I can tell you this, as your pastor, I am never going to give up on this church. I am going to work as hard as I can because I believe in the message and in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that that message changes lives. It makes a difference in people's lives. It gives direction and hope. And I believe that eventually it has the potential to even change a nation that is lost. So the question is, do you love me? Says Jesus. Do you love me more than these? I believe that Jesus is waiting for us to just simply blow on the embers of faith that so many have, have, have given to this church their time, their talents, their ability to blow on those embers that this, may, this church may burn again with faith and magnitude to be the voice of Jesus Christ in this community. What church will we become? What person will we become? Only we can answer that. But I close with these words from Jonathan Nelson. And I hope you'll join me in praying it. Wherever you want me to go, oh Lord, I'll go. Wherever you want, whatever you want me to do, oh Lord, I'll do. Whatever you want me to say, oh Lord, I'll say. I'll do anything that pleases you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day.